Good morning. <laughs> a little better? Yeah, for me too. Um, so good to be with you here. Isn't it great to be back in Tuesday morning Bible study? Don't we just love it? Get to be back in God's Word together. Just love this day. And here we are in the book of Colossians. And I love the overall theme, right, of this study. Speaking truth to our souls. And we get to dig into Colossians to find those truths that we are going to be speaking to our own souls. So let's jump in. But before we do, can we pray? Our great God and Father, we just praise your holy name. We thank you for the beautiful day outside, and we are so grateful for your word. Would you come and speak to us today? Help us to hear what you want us to hear. Take it into our minds and our hearts. In Christ's name, amen. So we started our study in Psalm 42, right? Talking about how the psalmist was crying out to the Lord. Just his heart was just in such distress. And when I began preparing, when I first got the study um, earlier this, at the end of the summer, and I turned that, it just touched my heart. Because Psalm 42 was the psalm that I was reading over and over and over the week before we buried my father just in May. And I just felt every word of that. Lord, where are you? I can't find you. We were in Colorado and planning a, a, a burial that's far away is not easy. And um, a lot of things were going on and we got there and we had planned it for the end of May specifically because we knew that it would be beautiful weather that all the freaky snowstorms would be gone that happened in April, and that it would be just lovely. Everyone said, after Mother's Day, it's safe. You're good. We were counting on that because we just had a small space and we needed the patio, right? And it, as we get there, it's 90 degrees. It's 85 degrees. We are just sweating. And as I looked on the forecast, they predicted snow on the Friday of my father's funeral, rain and snow. It felt like a punch to my gut. I thought, God, we're, uh, what? I, I don't even know what to say. And you know when you're so full of grief, you can't even think clearly anyway. So all of this, Psalm 42, I was just praying back to God, where are you? Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So even in our grief or even in our darkest places, don't we long? Lord, where are you? My soul wants you. Living God. Psalm 42, I love, it tells us to remember in verses 4 and 6. Remember, bring back what you know to be true. Psalm 42, 8 tells us, 
The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. What a beautiful truth to remember. At that moment, I wasn't feeling his loving kindness in the daytime and his song in the night. I couldn't hear it yet. But I knew that he was the God of my life. And didn't we see in the Gospel of John, Jesus with his disciples as he would be teaching and he would have his 12. And then there were other disciples, people that were following him, that wanted to learn from him. And after he was saying some hard truths, many of the other disciples left. And he asked his disciples, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know you are the Holy One of God. As it says in John 6, 67 to 69, and even in our despair, ladies, don't we know? Where else could we go, Lord? Where else could we go? You have the words. He has the words of eternal life. We are studying those very words together. And in that, ladies, we want our belief to be even stronger. We want to come to know, right, him more as the Holy One of God. This is what we want to counsel our own souls with, this truth. We want to go back to what we know to be true. All the time, friends. Go back to what we know to be true. In Paul's letter to the Colossians, they had been hearing messages that did not meld with the gospel. Some of the messages were coming from the outside. You need to do this, this, and this. Some were even inside the faith. As we had Jews and Gentiles together in this new family of God, new believers. And that was bringing much confusion and swaying from the true gospel and bringing questions and doubts to these believers. Doubts. What is right? What can I know to be true? I've included in your notes a beautiful section from a sermon by a reverend farmer about doubt. And it's only a little section that I could include. And I just wanted to print off the whole thing for you. It's just so beautiful. But this were some words that I just wanted you to take to heart, to ask yourselves. He says, will you think about these things? Will you make this decision that if and when it comes to a conflict between two voices in your soul, 
you will always trust the voice that speaks of God rather than the one that is minded to deny him. You will doubt your doubt before you doubt that to which all that is the best within you really points, namely that Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And to this vision of God, you may, you must, come what may, commit your whole being and your whole life. Let us doubt our doubts before we doubt our God. That's wrapping up like Psalm 42. And how are we going to do that? Well, I'd love you all to get both your hands just like this for me. We are going to place one over the other so that you have your own grid. Do you see? Ladies, God's word is the grid with which we sift everything through to find out what comes out is the truth, what we know to be true, because we sift what we hear from the world. We sift what we hear from our own minds that is not truth through the grid of God's word. so that we can go to what we know to be true. In light of this, we see that Paul clearly lays out the foundation for faith in Christ. We are going to learn together the solid truth in Colossians that we can speak to our own souls. Together. What a beautiful way to learn. We're going to talk about what I see here in Colossians, the gospel. Now, do you remember from our study that this is a letter to the church at, at Colossae, right? It's a letter. And it would be read to the group there out loud. I know that Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. But I also want you to picture yourself as being there and hearing these words from this great Christian leader who their very own Epaphras, who came to know Christ from hearing Paul, and now he took the word to the Colossians and started this church, and now they get to hear from his preacher, He's taking the time to write to their church. We're going to read Colossians 1, 1 to 14 together. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to spend a lot of time here. So it would be great. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. How wonderful they would feel to hear those words, wouldn't they? 
How much would they love to hear this? We give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on your behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the Spirit, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins." Amen. There's a lot packed into this, 14 verses. And I know that we studied it well in our lesson this week. There's just a few things that I just kind of want to bring out and highlight and have us think about as we, as we look at these verses. First, as we look, as Paul is encouraging them and he's letting them know how he prays for them, how he is encouraged by them. And he knows it is, in verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. The gospel. What is it? Some of us have been coming to church for a long time and we've been in Bible study a long time. Some of us are brand new and just starting out. Wherever we are, we have more to learn and more to gain. And sometimes, though, if we've been coming for a while and we hear a word, the gospel, and we hear it a lot and we think, yeah, you know, I'm not quite sure what that is, but I hear it all the time and I even use it. But I'm not quite sure. I know that the exact literal meaning is good news, the gospel, good news. But how would I communicate that? How could we define it? I don't know that there is one single line definition of it. But I tried this one. God has made a way in Christ for humanity to be reconciled, to be restored to himself through faith in Jesus. That's the gospel. That God has made a way 
for humanity to be reconciled. Because since the fall, we are apart from him, right? God has made a way through Christ. In short, Jesus' birth, his death, and resurrection as revealed in all of Scripture, which it is from the beginning all through to the end. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about God through him bringing us back to him to be restored, to be forgiven. Why is it so important to know? It's everything. Without the gospel, we have no way to God. Without Jesus' death and resurrection, we are hopeless. And so Paul is telling the Colossians what he thanks God for in them. Their faith in Christ and how their love of the saints flows out of them. And ladies, can we see that it is not only the unsaved who need the good news of the reconciliation of the being brought back, of being forgiven. They are not the only ones. Those of us who call Christ our Savior, those of us who are believers, those of us whose souls are safe in Christ, we need the gospel. We need the truth of the gospel. Ladies, this is the joy of our salvation. And we need, our souls need to know it well, that God loves you, you. That God came for you, that he made a way for you to be reconciled to him through Jesus. And Jesus loves you and died for you on the cross because our sins are so great. Nothing could bring forgiveness except the blood of Christ. And God, in his power, raised him from the dead to open up the gates of heaven that we may be ushered in. Good news for our souls. The truth. And I would ask that we not go over that too quickly, but that we would play it again and again to remind ourselves of this utter, magnificent truth of God's grace. Through his word of truth, the gospel. Did you notice in verses 6 and 7 what it says about the gospel there? The gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, just as it has been doing in you. So ladies, this gospel that has been gone out to all the world, 
even before it came to the Colossians. It was on the move. The Spirit was moving, drawing people to God. And then the Colossians got to hear of it because the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Think of this. I was trying to wrap my mind around this, that since this letter, how the gospel has spread and how many people have heard about the good news and have come and been reconciled to God over the generations and generations and generations. We can't even wrap our minds around the grace of God. And how? How did these Colossians hear from Epaphras who heard from Paul? And I was wondering, who is your Epaphras? Who told you the good news? And also it came to me, whose Epaphras will you be? Will I be? Who will I tell of the wonders of God and how he loves them and has provided a way for them through Jesus Christ? Ladies, this is not a guilt trip not trying to be, but what I want it to be is a reminder of the joy of our salvation and the privilege that we have to tell others about it, that they too can be brought into the family, that they can be hear the gospel, the good news, the sum of all that Christ has done for them. May this beautiful truth overflow out of us. The joy of our salvation. Didn't we see here in verses 13 and 14, I know I'm skipping, but it kind of connects nicely. For he delivered us from the dominion, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. The gospel. There it is. I want to challenge you as you read through Colossians over and over, as you do some other Bible reading, have your antennae be up. Where do I see the gospel? Where do I see it spoken of? Where do I see words about it? Reconciled, being forgiven. The gospel. I didn't want us to pass over these words quickly of what God has qualified us for. It's God who does the qualifying, isn't he? in that he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, in what the Colossians were hoping for. It's what we hope for, the eternal glory. But also, life now is changed for us. We have life now. And he talks about how joyously we give thanks to the Father. 
in 1 Peter 2.9 talks about this. Peter is talking to the, new, the church. New believers, some new, some older, but he's talking to them. And he's, there are Jews among them, and he is referring back to this and calling them. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. The Jews would know what this is. And he's bringing it into the Christian church, saying that you are the sanctuary of God. You are his people. He's bringing them all in for a purpose, so that, ladies, as you're reading your word, this is just a little quick little tidbit. Um, as I study, and everyone does it differently, I just wanted to, this has been, I found so helpful, that when I read a text, when I see God or Jesus or the Spirit, I circle it. And when I see connecting words, like, so that, or therefore, or when it talks about here, for, my ears perk up because I need to hear there's something coming, right? There's something coming so that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that, I need to listen, so that what? What am I to do? This is what they are to do. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So that you and I, we, the saved ones, the ones whose souls are saved in Christ, we get to, we get to, we have the privilege of proclaiming his excellencies who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He has transferred us, right, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his son. We are no longer here. We are here and from this place, may we shout and proclaim the goodness of our God. Into his marvelous light. Sometimes don't we have some dark days here in Chicagoland when it just seems like it's dreary and cloudy for days on end? And then we get that day where we start to see the sun just kind of peek through the clouds and they pull back a little and we can even see a little blue sky and then it's a little more and a little more and oh my goodness, our spirits are lifted. Our steps are lighter. It just, it just brings life to us. Light, right? Ladies, this is a glimpse, a teeny tiny glimpse of the light that Christ brings to our life and to our souls. I love Jesus' words that he says about himself, about being light. Jesus says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness because they have 
moved to his magnificent light. And he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but, square, but will have the light of life. Him. He is. When we have him, we have everything. This is the truth of the gospel that we cling to for our hope, for the here and now, and for eternity. I just wanted to hit here on Paul's prayer for, for the Colossians. We'll be in verses 9 to 14 a little bit here. And just a few things I wanted to pull out because I know we covered this so well in our lesson. Verse 9 tells us, For this reason, we have also, since the day we heard of it, the day he heard of their faith in Christ, going back up to the previous verses, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask. So this is what he's asking God for for them that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As we talked about in our lesson, right? Filled up, filled to the brim with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom, what is that? That can only come from the Lord, right? Right? That's the wisdom from the Lord that has to do with pertaining to things of, of his spiritual nature, of our spiritual life and growth, spiritual wisdom. And I believe here, ladies, as we study together and we meet in our groups, we are going to learn from each other what God is teaching you and you and the spiritual wisdom that he is giving you. And we are going to share that with each other. And then we get to learn more of him in that way. James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all generously without reproach, and it will be given him. Ask for the spiritual wisdom. That's what Paul is praying for for them. And for understanding, spiritual understanding, to see hearts. Ladies, as we come out of our spiritual wisdom from that, we want to gain to a spiritual understanding of those around us, of situations. We want to see the heart, what is behind what we see with our eyes or even hear with our ears. What are those people really saying? What is the need? I need spiritual understanding for that. We need spiritual understanding. Verse 10, so that, square, so that, ears perked up. Why do I need the spiritual understanding? So that we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him, and to bear fruit. 
God gives us. He equips us for what is coming. He equips us to walk in a manner worthy. He equips us to bear fruit. He equips us, ladies. And I was thinking about this. Bear fruit like a flourishing plant or tree. Any gardeners at all? Okay, not me. I plant them and I just say, Lord, if you want them to live great, they have to, they'll have to do with the rain you give, you know. Um, good luck. <laughs> it turns out okay sometimes, you know, but I know it's not like some of you gardeners extraordinaire, but, you know, I have a bloom here and there. So, but we get to be flourishing like a tree. We get to be, like verse 6, constantly bearing fruit and increasing, furthering Christ's kingdom, proclaiming the good news as we walk in him with spiritual understanding and wisdom and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is real knowledge, not knowledge for knowledge's sake but that we may know him more. And as we know him more, we may love him more. As we love him more, we serve him more. As we serve him, we obey him. And through serving and obeying, we come to know him more. And that causes us to love him more. And then we are moved to serve him and obey him. And it goes on and on, filling us up all the way. And I just have to touch on this part. Bearing good fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. How are we going to do that? Verse 11 tells us, strengthened with all power according to his circle. Glorious might, underline. According to his glorious might. Can we even comprehend such a truth? Can we? The all-powerful one, the mighty God, the one who with just a word, a word created, let there be light, and it was done. Separate the water from the land, it was done. By the word, by his spoken word, that is it. That's the power of God. A beautiful picture. I know you've been wondering. I know you've been wondering. I know they're Lincoln Logs, but we're going to pretend that they're dry bones. Dry bones. Dry bones. Do you know that in Ezekiel, the power of God. He told Ezekiel, speak to these bones, dry in the valley. So you have to know this is just a little tiny stage of dry bones. We're talking a valley, this whole campus filled with dry bones, dead, no life. He told Ezekiel, tell these bones to get up. And he did. 
And God caused these dry bones to come to life. He put muscle and skin and he made a man out of nothing. He allowed Ezekiel to say the words. It was God's power that did it. There was no breath in them. And he said, tell Breath come to them. And God caused the winds to move and to fill them with breath. This is the power of God, ladies. This is the power of the gospel. We are the dry bones before Christ, dead, not even put together. And through Jesus Christ, God brings life. He brings life to our souls. We are no longer in darkness. We are in his marvelous light in the kingdom of his son, the gospel. And this power of God, if you are his, it is in you. Can you even believe it? The power that raised Jesus from the dead. Dead. Our souls dead. But the power of God brings us to life. This power is in you. It is in me. Just love him. To get to know him to serve him all the days of our life. This great power in the Old Testament, we see it here. We, most often we see the Lord saving his people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see the power of God bringing life to the dead. I want you to think about that, friends. Because God strengthens us with his might for his purpose. As he talks about in verses 11 and 12. And how he talks about how in 13 and 14 how he delivered us. And even in his letter to the Ephesians, we see that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Do you know what that means? That lavish, it means to superabound, to be in excess over and over. And one of my favorite definitions, kind of at the end, you know, when they have those lesser ones, but it's like a downpour. So much is coming down on you, you can't even breathe or catch your breath. That's the love and grace that he lavishes on you and on me in Jesus Christ. What a good God we have. He desires that we trust him. And he shows us over and over of his great love for us. May we review Paul's prayer for the Colossians and pray it for others and for ourselves that we may live and breathe in the truth of the gospel, 
the joy of our salvation. May it be our foundation, the rock, the very life for our souls. And may we repeat these truths over and over to our souls so that they will know them very well. For isn't it true? Where else could we go? He alone has the words of eternal life, and he alone is the God of our lives. Amen.